Hey everybody, before we get started with this week's podcast, just wanted to take a moment and just pray for Sarah Mang. And I know many of you have been up to date with what she is dealing with and what the Mangs are going through. And uh, today we we just received word that she um, they, they had to call an ambulance today to pick her up and take her in. Um, and things are things are getting uh, worse um, for sure today. And so we just wanted to start our time off just offering a prayer to um, to the Lord on behalf of Sarah and Charlie and Jude and Stella. And so uh, and by the time this podcast airs, things may have changed. The prayer needs may be different. So we encourage you just to check out the Caring Bridge website, which we will link in our show notes. But for now, just join your hearts with us in prayer as we lift them up. Lord, thank you for your promise that you are close and near to us when we are in our times of greatest need. And we just want to just appeal to your grace and your mercy and your compassion with regards to Sarah. Lord, would you just have your healing hand upon her? And we know that the difficulties that she is facing from a physical standpoint are, are immense. And we know, Lord, that it is, uh, we're just in such great need of your hand on her life. And so would you just um, take, uh, just have a compassion on her. And um, Jesus, we know you are the great physician. And so just tend to her needs in every way. And um, I pray, Lord, that uh, wherever they are, um, that there would just be a sense of your sweet presence with them. So evident, encouraging them, renewing them, giving them endurance and strength and hope, great hope, Lord. I pray for Charlie and for Jude and Stella. Would you just draw them nearer and nearer to you in this time of difficulty and help us as a church family to be prompted to care for them in whatever way makes sense. But above all else, help us to pray. And we just trust in you. We look to you, God. And we know that you are holding them close in this terrible trial. And God, you, um, your promises never fail. And so we lean on those. We lean on you. And we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dan. And thank you for praying alongside us. And uh, now here's the podcast. This is Behold a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. I'm Sean Helch, and I'm joined by Dan Gillette and Nathan Baird. Each of us serve in different roles as pastors at Valley Bible Church. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. All right, welcome to Behold. Welcome back, those of you who have been um, listening each week. And if this is your first time, man, we are glad that you are choosing to spend your time to just examine God's truth alongside with us. This is Sean, and we have Dan and Nate as well. Say hi, guys. What's up, Beholders? Howdy, y'all. Very privileged to be here with the two of you. 
So in our teaching series on Sunday mornings, we are looking at Romans 12 now, and we're calling that series Transformed, and we will see why as we discuss those things. Um, But this Sunday, we heard from David Sunman on verses 1 through 8 of chapter 12 of Romans. So as you guys were listening to that, um, I know I was super encouraged by him and just had a lot of great nuggets from that. But as you two were listening, what are some things that jumped out to you or, or God really revealed to you through that time? Right off the bat, the thing that I've just been thinking about so much is that that term or that phrase, spiritual worship. And David did such a great job of of introducing this this appeal to us that Paul is giving. It's I love how he said it. It's an urge. It's a term like charging an army into battle, and and so he said so great in the text that that we, we understand God's mercy. And, and as we respond to him, we respond with this, this spiritual worship. And David did such a great job of, of breaking that down for us. I love the, I love the phrase. I've been trying to like memorize it. I can't say it as great as him. Cause he's like, he's got bars. I mean, he's got <laughs> flow for sure, but I love how he said, you know, as we understand this idea of spiritual worship, it's the use of our bodies would be characterized by intelligent, conscience, consecrated devotion to service of God. I mean, isn't that good? Mm-hmm. You said that just fine. I don't know what you're talking oh, about. That dude, was great. Dude. But no one brings it like David though. It's true. But, but anyway, I've just been thinking about that idea of spiritual worship. And as a worship leader, as someone who, who thinks about this and talks about this like almost 24 seven, I thought I would share something that has been helpful for me as I've, as I've tried to understand what is a biblical concept of, of worship and there's this great book by this guy named John Frame. It's called Worship in Spirit and Truth. And it's just a, it's just a little short biblical guide and an overview of, of what, what is worship? How is it defined in scripture? And he talks about worship. A lot of times when we see it in scripture, it's talking about the, the, the work of God's people getting together. So in the Old Testament, it's a tabernacle. Um, we see in the temple as well in, in parts of the New Testament and, and, and we see under the new covenant worship that the the whole thing has been thrown open. The door has been, been wide open. The veil has been, been torn down the middle and Jesus enables a, a new type of worship. Um, but that, that idea of spiritual worship as being this, this all encompassing life response to God, that it's, we, we're going to make our, our, the use of our bodies and our lives characterized by, by service to God. And um, in this book, John Frame talks about that idea of worship or that understanding in scripture of worship as worship in the broad. And then there's these narrow expressions of that greater reality. So when the church gathers together to sing, that's an example of it. But also when we, when we serve the, the most vulnerable people in our, in our uh, lives, widows, orphans, homeless, those types, those types of situations, but also when we share the gospel or when we get in the prayer in our prayer closet and draw near to the Lord in prayer, those are narrow expressions of this greater spiritual worship that Paul is talking about in, um, in Romans chapter 12. And you can look at the old Testament where, where God uh, through the prophets calls this calls out um, hypocrisy and also Jesus calling out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees that God is uh, he the way he is structured and, and, and deemed worship as acceptable is to overflow from this broad sense of the way we live our lives. And 
then there's these, these narrow expressions that only are acceptable to God and only even make sense if they're an overflow of that mm. larger picture and understanding of worship. That's great. Yeah. And so that was something I've just been chewing on. And, and if you guys want to check out that book, it's, it's, it's really, it's really great, but I, I would love for our church to just think about worship in those two ways. Like it's this broad, all encompassing sense, but then also these narrow expressions of it. That's great. You know, I, that makes me think of something that's really dear to my heart, which is uh, just in general, kind of moving from principles and then letting God direct you to the specifics and I think a lot of times it's tempting to get caught up on on those little specifics. What ought, what should I be doing? As if the little details is going to flip the right switches to make God happy with you, instead yeah. of living out of what He's done and seeing the implications. That you know that phrase we were uh, talking about this beforehand. Spiritual worship is in some translations is um, is reasonable service. And I think David touched on the word was it logikos. Uh, for for spiritual there that's translated spiritual is is the word like lot where we get logic from, and so this idea that moving from from a revelation of God's mercy, the only logical reasonable thing to respond is to make that mercy known in your life in in a myriad of ways, and each of us is going to do that differently. Well said. Mm. Yeah, and uh, man, in, the, in those first two verses when Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, the, the word appeal is such an interesting choice there. You know, he doesn't say, I command you. He says, I appeal. And Paul actually says in Philemon that the word appeal is, is a softer thing than command. It's it's out of a place of, of, of love or concern for you. And it's just that idea that that out of his care for us, Paul is saying that same thing. He's, hey, brothers, because I love you, take note of God's mercy in these things, that, that God's mercy is central to how we're going to do spiritual worship in our lives. I looked up that word, uh, parakaleo. Does that, you guys, what does that bring I, in mind? I've, I've, did, you look, did you look that up? No, but I know, I know I've heard that before. Have you heard the word paraclete before? Yeah. Yeah, so the Holy Spirit is called the paraclete. Yeah. It's, 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 it must be related because uh, this word is often translated comfort. Wow. And so, um, and... Confort means with strength to give strength. So this is Paul saying, basically, I'm I'm urging you, I'm strengthening you to to respond in this way. Uh, maybe it's another way of thinking about it. But uh, that so it's a it's a word of of breathing life into somebody else in order to to uh, continue on. Which is funny because of course we're going to talk about spiritual gifts, and the Spirit is the one who who breathes life into into us. Yeah, and and there he's the one who enables us to 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 do these things that 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 David encouraged us, you know, to to use our bodies um to to be this devoted service to God. That's that's not even possible without the spirit's work in us, um strengthening us, you know, giving us uh that fruit to to carry that forward. So, mm. yeah, that's that's really good insight and makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and what I love about this this discussion right now is, you know, we're talking about spiritual worship and the heart of that and the motivation for that, but we're not talking about the mechanics of what that is. You know, we're not saying spiritual worship is you doing this or you doing this, you raising your hands and you sing or whatever, because we, I think we're, what we're scratching at is that God's intent is for something fuller than that mm. or, or deeper than that. Um, and so I'm just curious, you know, thinking about spiritual worship and 
you know, as we're saying, the the heart and the the motivation behind that is really our our devotion to God and our love of Him and our appreciation for His grace and His mercy for us. So, with that being the heart behind what we're doing, what are some ways are that in your various roles you see that being played out by people? How do people evidence the 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 life of Jesus in what they do? Toward, toward sure. I guess to rephrase it for someone listening at home, like, Oh, that's great. Spiritual worship. That's super powerful. What do I do with this? Mm. Yeah. I, you know, part of it is, I think it is interesting that it's both individual, but coming from the same spirit. So like first Corinthians 12 has a parallel uh, passage where, um, you know, Paul talks about unity in the body. And he says that, uh, there's a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And he, he, he makes these repeated um, uh, focuses on the individual and then the group. And so I think, I think part of it is um, when we are, you know, if, you're, if you are listening to a piece of music or watching a sports game or something, everybody has a, an individual experience of, oh, they score, you know, or, yeah. and, but they're going to express that in some way that makes sense to, to them. And I think that's, that's kind of the idea behind this is that each person is responding uniquely to the same reality. And that's God's prerogative and his choice. So each person in a church is, is him placing that person there so that their unique response will benefit the whole. And so, I, you, know, you know, some, some people love to, to read and share uh, ideas to build people up. So that's I love that. I love reading books. I love encouraging people with ideas that transform how we see things, which is really the, the Bible, right? Right, right. So, um, you know, people who uh, you know, are hospitable, who've been transformed by God's hospitality in inviting them in, and who, um, who then want other people to experience that same thing. And maybe they've got the gift of baking, or maybe they've got, you know, some other thing that they use that comes up a lot, but it's really this individual response to the same uh, transforming mercy of God. And I love that you 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 bring that up, that idea of unity and that we're all responding to the same one thing, the same one God, because that implies that as we're doing that, there's something happening with each of those people, right? There's something that's the same happening to each of those people as they're doing that. And it makes me think of, I know you mentioned 1 Corinthians, but it makes me think of Ephesians 4, which also talks about unity in the body and unity in the spirit, uh, maintaining that, eager to maintain that with one another. And then later in Ephesians 4, we hear a lot about this idea of, of transformation and renewing our minds and what the effects of that are, which is really, I think, what we're getting at. Is yeah, that, I think we should talk about that. That it, It's almost like what you were saying before about, about let's focus on the principle and then let's, let's get to the nitty gritty after that. And one of the things that David did on Sunday, which I thought was really helpful, is he he said verse one and two of chapter twelve. That's on you. That that you got to look in the mirror and and grapple with the Lord on those things. Yeah. You you know you have to you gotta you have to answer this appeal to respond to God's mercy with worship by sa- sacrificing your life. You have to participate with the renewal of the spirit, re- bringing your mind uh, to this new place. And so that you can discern what God wants for your life. That's a personal thing. But then starting in verse three, now we see it played out in the context. We get some specifics in terms of what does that look like in the household of God? What's that? What does that look like? So maybe we should spend some time just 
maybe focusing in a little bit on 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 renewing the mind and what does that look like and mm. what is it what does it mean to participate with God in renewing our mind is that a one time thing is it an ongoing uh, endeavor that we engage with all throughout our spiritual lives together um what what are some things that have been helpful for you guys as you have learned about what it means to renew our minds well kind of like we did before with with uh, spiritual worship maybe saying why, what is renewing your mind? Why is that, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So why does a renewed mind transform you? And what I've discovered just personally and in talking with others is that how you see reality determines how you behave in reality. How you see the world, uh, you, um, I I read an interesting thing that um, people who've been raised in um, homes that are loving and supportive, they think, they grow up thinking that every home is like that. They can't even imagine that's not true. And conversely, people who've been raised in, in maybe dysfunctional homes, uh, when asked, when, when someone says, hey, do you think that there's a healthy family out there? And they say, no, I don't, I don't believe doesn't that's exist. true. I don't, yeah. doesn't. So they, your perception about things um, influences how you respond. So um, the gospel is a transformed picture of reality. It says, like Romans 5, 8, while you're still sinners, Christ died for you. That's how, that shows you God's love. So as you start to understand the mercies of God toward you, you, um, that starts to make a lie of other statements. Like if, if God loves me, even when I'm a sinner, then I'm not worthless. So I can't, I can't respond that way anymore. And that means other people aren't worthless either. I can't respond to them anymore. Or when you when you hear that all people were made in the image of God, that's that starts off in Genesis. Suddenly you you think I that means every human person on the planet, regardless of if they agree with me or not, if they're even my enemy or not, um, is is uh, is designed to know and walk with God. And so therefore, I, out of love for that God, want to care for them as well. So mm. it, it starts to shift your mind. Um, and that's why we have to go to the word of God, what he has said about reality. He's the only one who has the perfect view of everything. And if we are stuck in our own view, if we prefer our own descriptions, that's really what happened at the fall. They, uh, Adam and Eve preferred a, a description of reality was that was other than what God had told them was true. Yeah, and that fits so great with with th- what what Paul tells us to not do in this passage, which is to be conformed to the patterns of this world. So there is, there's this influence, this force that is bearing down on us all the time that wants us to fit into the mold of the world. And so the, the stuff that we use to combat that is scripture. It's the truth that we find in scripture. It's the promises of God. It's understanding and growing in our knowledge of God and doing that in a, in a transformative way is, is doing that at the, at a soul level. Cause mm. we all understand that we can take in those facts and just have it be stuck up in our head. Um, now, obviously the battle is in our mind, right? But, but there's, there's a, there's a soul level work that, that, that it has to drop down into our soul. And I was just talking with a buddy, um, the other day and we're just checking in just, okay, how's, how's lockdown life for you? And, and he's just like, man, God's doing some serious gardening. In my soul this during this season and it he's he's pulling out weeds and just clearing cleaning house you know mm. 
And it, and it was just cool. It got me thinking about this idea of renewing our mind is because so many times if our, if our, if our mind or our inner man, our soul is, is a, is a garden there, part of that conforming to the world can look like just weeds like growing in our garden. And that process of, of partnering with God, studying his word, memorizing it, internalizing it can be a process of identifying those lies and ripping out those weeds. But then you've got these holes in your garden. Okay. What do you got to put in that? You got to put some, a corresponding truth back into mm. that, um, that hole. So it, so it can grow up. And so I, I like to, when I think about renewing my mind, I like to think about this gardening analogy. You know, we, we recognize a lie that we're believing. Um, we renounce it. So we pull that weed out, but then we replace it with something true about mm. God or about life and reality. And maybe that's a helpful analogy for people as they think about renewing their minds. That's great. Yeah. Do you, uh, uh, are there specific passages or truth that you've grabbed hold of maybe recently that, that have been, God's been using to, tra- to, to transform you? Yeah. I mean, so before I get to that question, cause I know what you're asking, um, just before that, man, I've been thinking this whole conversation right now, just about the last summer, we all spent the whole summer going through Ephesians four and just that process of renewing your, the spirit of your minds and putting on your old self and putting away your old self, putting on your new self. And I think it really aligns with what you're saying, Nate, about the, the reality, our perception of reality. And we have this one perception of reality, and then God gives us the, the, the true perception of reality, our old self and our new self. And yeah, I think the important thing to remember, like you're saying, Dan, about this idea of renewing your minds is just the ongoing nature of it, of just the, the when it's described in scriptures, never referred to as a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, there is a one-time moment where you have salvation, where you Jesus becomes your savior. That's a thing. There's a one-time thing where Jesus is going to come back. That's a thing. But renewing our minds is one of those things that's going to continue for the rest of our life here on earth. And uh, on one hand, that can be discouraging, thinking, oh, man, I'm always going to be a project. On the other <laughs> hand, I think it's so freeing, just that God's so faithful to to never step away from our side, knowing that he will be there. Because like you just said, Dan, man, the garden will always need tending. Weeds will always keep growing. However, God will always be faithful to give us the tooling we need and the nurturing we need to to be able to do that gardening. Um, so yeah, just Ephesians 4, I'm just kind of chewing on that um, and... Yeah, I like how Paul describes it, of what those realities look like. I'm, I'm just going to read from verse 22 here. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt with deceitful desires. Just just aligning that description with our, 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 our former idea of what reality is and how we fit into that reality. And then the new self, which is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And now in your mind, pairing that with our new perception of reality. And so just in in a practical way, you guys don't remember what we did with this is we would spend time every single day taking things that we identify to be uh, hindrances or things that are untrue about reality and bringing them before God with that mindset of God, I see this as a corruption. I see this as deceitfulness. I see this as, as things that are untrue when I compare them up to what you've told me in your word. And then taking other things, and man, this is from you, Lord, and I'm going to... Uh, give you praise for that. I'm going to take this and make it a, a central thing in my life. 
And and doing that daily, I think, is is in a practical way that gardening that you're talking about, Dan. So hey, if you're listening and you're wondering how you can renew your mind, let that be an encouragement. Just try it. Give it yeah, a week. For and sure. And 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 Nate did a great job. For those of you that don't know, Nate oversees discipleship development in our church. And he did a great job of that project we worked on last summer as a staff. He distilled it down into a one-page document. And we can link to that on the show notes. And just a, it's, it's a walk through that concept that, that Sean just laid out for us. And it, it explains how do, you, how do you direct your spiritual growth? How do, you, how do you identify something in your life that you want to uproot, a way that you want to be renewed in your mind? Identify that and then direct scripture at, and participate actively in renewing your mind and, and, and killing that thing in your life. And so, Nate, I know that you did a great job with that. So I think we should we should make that yeah, available. Yeah. Another resource that Valley Bible Church has is My Heart Unveiled. I know there's a there's an extensive dealing with renewing your mind in that study. So, ladies, if you haven't gone into a group with that, there I know there's constantly new groups starting. Or I don't know if you can jump in halfway, or or if you could reach out to women's ministry and they could just. I think they have a, a way to print out just that section, but they handle it very well there. And I think it's good even if you're not a lady. I was going to say, men yeah. out there, yeah. I mean, I'm not a lady, but I've done the hard chart. The heart needs to be unveiled, <laughs> but even if for the dudes. Hey, there's, I'm, I'm, I'm at the end this last, this coming Saturday, the last week of the beta test for My Heart Unchained. Wow. I was going to say, it's coming. Huge news. So it's coming, yeah. Huge if true. So that's, that's anyway, amazing. And it's been great. Um, but yeah, actually, Sean, I wanted to jump in on you. And, and Dan, I'm glad you jumped in and shared because I, I was about to mention my, <laughs> the, the, that PDF. Yeah. Um, Thunderstorm. But it's better when someone else synergy. offers it. <laughs> it's called Synergy yeah, right that's there. Great. Podcast um, synergy. No, I, I've given that to, to lots of guys and... Um, I just it continues to be helpful, but it, it it triggered something when you were speaking, Sean, about this idea of process, and uh, you know, n- not to sound so postmoderny, but but it's a jur- there's a journey aspect, a relational aspect. That's probably the best way to think about it. That the gospel is a relational reality; it's not a tech technique or mm. a series of techniques. And I think if if we sh- if we drift into technique looking, we read the Bible as if it's a manual for do this, do that what we're actually trying to do is become self-sufficient. If I can accomplish these tasks, then I will have accomplished perfection or goodness. When God says clearly, hey, I will be faithful to complete the work I have begun in your life. He doesn't say when, he doesn't give you a date, (laughs) but he has promised that walking with him, he is in that process and that mix. And so we, I think we need to learn and teach ourselves and others that we need to think relationship focused about the gospel, not technique-driven. Awesome. Can I uh, take some a little different... Can I switch gears? You guys up for that? Yeah, switch them. One of the things that I have been really... I really loved about the message on Sunday and this amazing text is, is just talking about God's will. And David did such a great job of explaining... The, the 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 shade of that meaning is like how how does God want us to act and live and worship him you know loving God loving people like what is his design for for his people and i just love that paul gives us these uh de- these des- these descriptive terms about God's will that it's good acceptable and perfect mm-hmm. and it just made me think about 
Psalm 119, how the psalmist there just praises God's word, his precepts, his judgments, his commandments, that it, there is nothing wrong with God's design for his people. When God instructs us, when he gives us the parameters and, and guardrails of life, we can have confidence that it is, it is perfect. It is good. It is pleasing. It is perfect. And then it also made me think um, in 1 John, 1 John um, chapter 5, just this, this idea of God's commandments, they're not burdensome. And it really fits in line with what you were saying too about the Christian life isn't about, you know, uh, just doing, 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 doing. Um, the Christian life is, it, Jesus isn't, isn't trying to bear down on us with his commandments. He wants, he, in this passage, in uh, 1 John 5, we see God describing the relationship in, a father, in fatherly terms. That, the, that there's, a, there's a loving connection that we have to the Father through Jesus. And we're, we're children of God. And so we obey his commandments as a loving response of that re, to that relationship. Mm-hmm. And so, so many times, and I don't know if it's, if it's our American, you know, identity kind of like infiltrating our minds, but so many times we're like, you don't tell me what to do. I'm a free man. I'm, I, you know, I, I, li- I do me, I do <laughs> me. Um, but <clears throat> obedience is not, is not a, a, a restrictive uh, term. It's a, it's a, it's a freeing term. It's a relational loving term. And so if we can connect th- those two ideas to God's, God's will, that it's perfect, there's nothing wrong with it. And that as we do the, our spiritual worship, <laughs> as we respond to him through obedience, there, it, we can never separate love and worship, you know, in that endeavor. Yeah, well, and and that's obedience. You know, we we think of an unjust person forcing us to do something against our will. Right. That's what obedience often is in, in our it minds. Gets reduced down to that. But, right. But um, that's not. I mean, when when David talks in Psalm one nineteen, what strikes me, and this is a relatively recent um, epiphany, uh, that he always says the law of Yahweh is perfect, or the precepts of Yahweh. Right. He he uses he's talking about not the precepts per se, it's who is the source, the source of those precepts. Yeah, and when you know the character of God, you can then you know yeah. that my, he, it's, they're, they're trustworthy. Yeah. And if I follow this, I, I, will, I will never be disappointed. There's nothing, there's nothing that God's uh, word says, to, says that does not come from his own nature. And I was reflecting on, you know, starting with the prophets, there is a, in a continual uptick of this idea that at some future time, God would be pouring his personal presence, his spirit into the lives of first Gentiles, or excuse me, first Jews and then Gentiles. And, and then Jesus comes on the scene and he's talking about, hey, the, the, the kingdom of heaven, it's not over there or over here, it's actually mm-hmm. within you. And then we get to Hebrews 8, which is a quotation from Jeremiah 31. And he's, he says, yeah, in this new covenant that Jesus when we, a, a communion, what do we say? That, that this is the blood of the new covenant. That's, in Rome, that's Hebrews 8. And what does he say? He says that I will remember your sins no more and no one will have to know who, uh, teach about me because you'll all know me because I'm going to write my words in your heart. That, that word written on your heart is exactly what we heard about in, um, in Romans 8 where, God, where Paul says that 
that it's, it's uh, the spirit that enables you, that empowers us to, to keep the righteous requirements of the law. So this law is now internalized. And so it's flowing out of us. And so then we get to chapter 12 and he says that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing. So there's this personal involvement with the work of the spirit in our lives that then lets us implement again, that shared experience, right? but implement it according to the will of God. And then Paul's going to talk about it shortly. It's going to come about in different ways. Totally. It's going to be unique for you, right? but it's going to be consistent, just like the one spirit is the source of it all. So it's going to be a unifying, but diverse expression of the one reality. Yeah, Nate, thank you. And just to tag on to that, just to kind of wrap up that idea of like obedience and love, you know, we, we have talked a lot about James 1 on the podcast the last couple of weeks and this idea of being doers of the word and not just hearers, which I think is very, very aligned and tied to this idea of obedience. But I just wanted to read what the next couple of verses say that we haven't mentioned yet. Um, you know, James 1, says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he'll be blessed in his doing. And as I read that, I, I have no idea why this happens, but I picture my wife. I think of my relationship with Patty in reading that and of just, you know, I know her. I know my wife. God has been faithful in our relationship to give me a picture of who she is and yeah, just my love for her. I don't walk away and forget Patty. You know, she, she is my wife. And that's really such a, a part of, of how I love and serve her. It's so tied to the idea of, man, I don't want to serve you because you're, you have authority over me or because I fear you alone, all these things, but it's because I know my wife. Mm-hmm. And that's the same mindset we want to be having here in the way that we serve and, and be doers of the word with God's commands. Well, that's true for friendship. It's for, true for pretty much every re- relationship where we have a positive connection to somebody. We want to, we act out of them, out of who they are, not not because of some other reason. We're, we're delighted to do it. And that's the, back to the Psalm 119 again, there's this, there's this delight that comes in that response. Yeah. Well um, said. Yeah. So, so maybe as we, as we head into verses three through eight, I really would love to talk about some of these, these parameters that, that, that Paul does lay out for us in terms of the household of God. But I know you had, a, you said you had a quote you wanted to share. Can you just. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a good transition from those two sections. Yeah. This is from a book by Dave Harvey called I Still Do, Growing Closer and Stronger Through Life's Defining Moments. And it's kind of written for people who've been married 10 years or more, but this quote is fantastic. It's for, for everybody. This is what he says. Um, he says this, here's Paul's take. He's just quoted from Ephesians 2. Here's Paul's take. Christ purchased individuals to be members of God's household. Our personal autonomous life has ended because we've been adopted into a new household by the uniting power of the new covenant. So I thought it was a great picture because like we said, those first two verses, kind of what God's doing inside in your mind to renew you and transform you into his likeness so that you could be his agent in the world. But it's not news, just for you. Newsflash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not just for you. That you've been, you've been brought into something. And so the whole rest of this bit talks about that u- unity with the other people. And again, it's 1 Corinthians 12, 
um, this picture of, of you uni- being united. Love it. So with that in mind and being united, uh, practically there's a lot of ways that we all serve different roles, which you heard a lot about on Sunday from, from David. So Dan, why don't you take us into the next chunk about some of those practical ways we can serve? Yeah. And obviously things are different with the state of affairs that we're all living under and we're, we're all, all of our normal rhythms of life have been interrupted. And so the, the building up of the body and the using of your gifts that maybe just happened when you bumped into somebody in the halls on a Sunday morning, or maybe they, they just happened when you ran into somebody at the church picnic or on the softball field or whatever, those things aren't like for me, like we don't have, uh, we don't have rehearsals anymore for, 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 for music. And so those are the contexts where I would normally use my gifts so we all we all have to think creatively and find new ways to practice these things and to uh, yeah to, to to serve each other in these ways. So I thought I thought David left us with some great questions that we could kick around. So he kind of gave us this this thought experiment almost like he's like hey spend some time thinking consider consider what your gifting is and describe the uh, the connection between your gifts and what you like to do your hobbies, your, your work, your activities, or or just things you're passionate about, and then brainstorm new applications and ways to enthusiastically use your gifts to, to build up the church. And I love that analogy he used of the basketball team. Right. And I wondered for us, if, if somebody, if somebody, you know, just, if we just randomly started calling through the directory and said, Hey, what, what's your, what's your position on the team? What, what's your, what's your, what's your gift and how do you use it in the church? Man, I just think it's a great thought experiment for us to go through during this shelter in place. So let's start to unpack a little bit of that. Yeah, and just I just want to tag on to that. I think it's important to differentiate uh, what our talents and skills are and things we like doing from spiritual gifts. Because I love, Dan, what you just said, that that right now we're not having rehearsals, but we're finding other ways to use our gifts. Right. You know, Dan, you and I, we both, and Nate, you two actually, all three of us, we, we lead worship. That's one of the ways weird, that we serve. Weird singers and musicians. Weird singers and musicians. All three of us. And Dan, you and I, obviously, it's a bigger part of our role, but that's not in the list of spiritual gifts. You know, leading worship is not one of those things. But in doing that, we're able to use those the things that are spiritual gifts and we're, and we're using. Yeah. So just within that same vein, even though some of the mechanics that we're usually used to of being able to serve on different ministries and do things maybe not be may not be available right now, absolutely, we can be getting creative to use our gifts in other ways right now. And Nate, correct me if I'm wrong, but in your role as pastor of discipleship and development, you guys are working on some materials right now to identify spiritual gifts and then use them. Is that not correct? Yeah. So collecting this week has been great because I've been collecting um, resources from different people. Uh, Stephen Greenaway, actually yesterday, Stephen Greenaway went door to door to all the the, the high school leaders. And my son, Cadence, is um, on the on the leadership team for high school ministry. And so uh, Stephen dropped off a packet on um, d- discovering spiritual gifts. And it was really great because one of my concerns when people are thinking about this is that there's a bunch of things you shouldn't be doing. One, one of the things is how you see spiritual gifts is not some secret. It's not some something that's uh, that you have to unlock, un- unlock or uncover. <laughs> yeah, yeah right, right. Right, right. It's not something that holy people, holier people, get to know, and, and non-holy people don't it's get to know. Not Scientology. It's not Scientology. <laughs> yeah. Right. Thank God. Uh, it's um, like, for example, this is the phrase, uh, "gifts of the Holy Spirit." 
So first of all, it's a gift of the Spirit. And if you read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, I highly recommend that if you're interested in this. Um, read that because what you notice is that it's all God's initiative. Just like it's the law of God in Psalm 119, it's, it's the, it's the uh, gifts of God that we're receiving. So it's, it's consistent with his character, what he's doing. When you are using your gift, you are you're acting as uh, a partner with God, using a sp- specific aspect of who he is to bless his people. That's what gift using is. And then, so it's of the spirit, but it's also of the spirit. So it's, it's both from God and it's, again, this expression of who he is. So first of all, that's, that's the top shelf thing when you're thinking about your gifts, just trying to discover what your gifting is. Think about that first. The second thing I think is um, this shouldn't, something, shouldn't be something that causes worry. It shouldn't be something that causes envy. Oh, I wish I had that gift. Um, it shouldn't be something that causes you to withdraw. And we were, we were talking earlier, Dan, you know, what about, what if you were not really involved in the life of the church? And I would say, that's job one right there. <laughs> is to get, get, get that in your brain that you should be, you are. Yeah. And so if you're, if you're not engaging in that way, you're, you're completely missing out. So that's maybe step one. Yeah. Is, yes. Is like be, orient be, with be that. involved because yeah. one, these are all, uh, Paul mentions these in this list here in uh, Romans 12. He let, he mentions them as things that you're doing with other people. So you got to be with other people who are Christians in order to be expressing these realities of the life of the spirit. So that's, that's a great thing. I wrote down um, a little note here, because going back to verse one, these, what are these tr- transforming truths that we fill our minds with? One of them is unity with the body. That should be a transforming truth for us. If I don't think, first of, first of all, that my life in God is a community life, then I'm not really set up to be using my gifts at all, let alone to know what they are. So I think that's, that should be a first thing. H- ask yourself, before you ask, what's my gift? Ask, how do I think about the body of Christ? Is it a, do I think of church as a place I go to? Or does, do I think about the church as the people who I'm engaging with and living the life of God together with to experience who he is and also to express his life in the world? So that's the second thing. It seems like it's a, a side issue, except that it's the main focus of 1 Corinthians 12, and, the, and I think this passage too. I don't think Paul's trying to give us a, a checklist of how to figure out as, as so much as he's saying, this is how we all live together and are expressing this new transformed life. Well, and I love, sorry to cut you off, but I, in, in that 1 Corinthians 12, just really appreciate Paul's wording there. He says, hey, I, I don't want you to be uninformed. You may not know, but hey, now you know. Each of you has been gifted. And, and it says that specifically. It doesn't say, oh, some people have spiritual gifts and they should use that in church and you should go to church on Sundays and watch them do that. No, it says that he's a, he apportions to each one individually these different spiritual gifts. And, and a bit of a contrast compared to what some of us are used to in church. You know, Dan, going back to Western culture right. and American church, we're so used to, in our church culture, uh, showing up on Sunday, watching things happen and going home, and that's kind of that. But I think, Nate, what you're getting at is that God just has a deeper and fuller picture for going back to that relational experience of our faith with God and how that plays out in our lives daily. If I could read another quote from uh, I Still Do by Dave Harvey, he says, don't be tempted to think we're just not needed at our church. It's a lie. God has given you unique gifts for the building up of his body. For the sake of the church community and for the sake of your own soul, don't withhold your presence from the body. So yeah, showing up, being there, uh, that's, it's, it's crucial. Right. 
So, so how do we do that? I mean, let's talk about that in, in, in this COVID-19 landscape, obviously the face-to-face stuff, we, we, we we can't do that as much. I, I can't I can't help it. Have you guys seen that that video that's like a meme of that preacher guy and they turn into a rap? He's like COVID nineteen. I'll no. blow you away. <laughs> wow. You haven't seen that? No. no. Oh my we gosh. Should, we should put it in the I'm show sure notes. someone listening has heard it and they're probably giggling. It's I mean, I don't know if we should broadcast that or not. But it's hilarious and it's just like now I can't help it. Everyone I talk to, every time I hear the word COVID nineteen, I just hear in my brain, COVID nineteen. <laughs> I love it. Anyways, love continue, it. Dan. Sorry. No, no, I, I, I just think I'm curious what have you guys seen or what ideas can we give people? Because uh, maybe maybe someone's out there, they're they're an encourager, or they're 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 wanting to contribute, or they're wanting to use their leadership gift, or or show mercy, but but they're stuck. They're just like, how do I do it? I I, I feel paralyzed. What are what are some things that that we can do in this climate to to continue to to express these things? Yeah, and I never finished your your initial question. What are we doing to help? people. But yeah. but yeah, this so what we've talked about so far in this conversation is part of uh coming to, coming up with some uh material to to help people with that. There's lots of stuff existing, but I think that um the benefit of this is we get the context, which is the church family. Right. We get the source, the Holy Spirit, and then now specifics drill down. Um we talked about it a little bit. Uh, I think David mentioned there's this um there's this reality that you the, as the new life becomes uh, takes hold of you, as as this your mind is renewed and you see the mercies of God, there's na- you naturally respond in ways that are fueled by that life. And so, um, you know, I, I, my I was talking with my wife Rita, and uh, she, she mentioned a story that recently she got a chance to share w- at the Altamont with um, some of the moms there about hospitality. And um, she's also spoken before about that. And she does not like to speak. She's not a, that's not her deal. But what she really loves is hospitality and being a welcomer into the home because God's welcoming. And so she, her love for hospitality and for caring for people trumped her fear or of her speaking. anxiety of speaking. Right, so that she, good. because you, and I was thinking about, as you were talking about <laughs> worship leading with you guys, I, you know, I was thinking, oh yeah, it's not like there's, you know, singing, playing guitar. There's no gift of playing guitar in the Bible right. <laughs> or singing. Um, but what what is there is is exhortation, encouragement. And so when when you say I want to I want to lead people in singing the song of truth, what do we say? Jason Moog says songs about God and to God, songs that only God uh, should hear. You know, to, it'd to only him. be appropriate to sing yeah. these things to God, right? And so when that's your motivation, it's out of love for God and 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 a, and a desire to draw people into that. And you're just saying, well, I can play guitar and I can sing. Well, and it's my job, but you know, <laughs> you know but but uh, but but you you know, you I've seen you guys do that at home, th- you know, home uh, side issues. You know, you'd probably do it if you're on a street corner and had a guitar. You would, you know, lead people in singing some songs to Jesus because the 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 desire there is to help people, and said, I want to help you. And if it's, I want to help you um, get a job. I see you're out of work and Jesus loves me and I, I, I've got some connections. I want to help you with that. Or maybe it's, um, I want to help you know God's love better. Let me show you what this passage means. That's a teaching type gift. So there's, there's, these, there's going to be some ways that are coming out of you. So one is, what when you're thinking about church, and this is why it's so 
important to be connected to God's people. When you're thinking about your church family, what, what, what comes out of you? How do you want to care for them? Wow. That is a good indicator of the gift that you have because that's God wanting to benefit them through your individual unique qualities. Yeah, and, and so so there's some things to to just think through. I mean, I just got I just got finished writing a letter. I mean, I, I haven't written a letter. I don't know since what what is that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just so I so it's it's my friend's birthday today, and I was just thinking, how can I encourage them, and how can I, yeah, just out of the overflow of what God's done for me and, and as, as an expression of, of caring for them as, as my sister in Christ, I can, I'm going to write a letter. And so there, there's these things that maybe we don't normally think to do, but because of the shelter in place, we can kind of get, get creative and, and, and do some of those things. And if you're listening at home and you're like feeling stuck just don't be afraid to like shake it up a little bit, like think outside the box and don't feel like you can't be effective over zoom or through a phone call or a letter or, or a really thoughtful, encouraging email there. Those things can, if we're doing them, like you're saying, Nate, out of, out of a genuine burning desire to like, to, to serve, to, to offer ourselves to God and to build up the church in that way the impact can be incredible. It can be, it can be so powerful. And so don't, don't let your feelings of, of stuckness, <laughs> um, stop you, you know, just reach out there and, and try, try something new during this, this time, this season. Yeah. Just, just to tag onto that. I think that for, I mean, I say this for myself and most people that I know and have done ministry with or just witness serve nine times out of 10, if someone is has a barrier to serving, or for some reason they have apprehensions about it, it's not from a lack of skill or ability, right? It's not because they don't know how to do something. It's just because they have other barriers, whether it be uh, embarrassment or uh, worry about doing it wrong or things yeah, like that. Yeah, they're feeling inadequate. They're feeling inadequate. Yeah. Uh, but those are all things that are usually uh, self-imposed. They come from our own minds. And not things that God tells us about who we are and our abilities and things like that. So just an encouragement to anyone listening. If if that's what's stopping you, don't let it stop you. It's so easy to to love people. It really is. God um, well, and God has gifted us. That's, what, that, gifted that's us. one of the things is like he's like, there's there's this grace that <laughs> these gifts have it's by God's grace that these gifts have been portioned to us, each according to our faith. And so so that's the tools with which we're we're serving. You know, it's not it's not our own stuff. Like we've we've been equipped with everything we need to do it. Right, and that's not to say that spiritual gifts can't be uh, nurtured and grown and and developed because they some a lot of them need Good to be. Call. Like Good teaching, call. for example, it's a great one. You need years teaching to get to get better at it and more effective. But you got to start somewhere. And that's like you said earlier, Nate. The important thing is to just start getting involved and start doing it and being a part of God's family in that way. Yeah, and and stay tuned you know, keep checking VBC to online for uh, the project that Nate's working on. We're going to, we're going to have a, I don't know if you want to call it like a package or like a module or some kind of, some kind of comprehensive A journey. Yeah. A journey. (laughs) Some kind of comprehensive place where you can go on our website to start figuring this stuff out. If you're feeling lost or, you know, if this is just a big mystery to you, we want to, we want to help demystify that. So stay tuned for that.
And, and maybe just tack on the whole idea of myst- mystery and mystification, right. mystified. <laughs> um, it's probably not a mystery to the people around you at church. They probably know, right? Which is another reason to be in community is that th- those those people that you were serving with or, or serving or being together in a small group with, they are fantastic observers of your what you're doing. If you're the person who's always bringing... Uh, food to care for people, and you 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 light that you light that up. Or when you when you hear that there's a need, a physical need, you say, "Hey, can I come build that for you? Can I help you with that?" It's not a mystery to them. So if you're if you're in the dark, another great place. And again, interestingly, it happens in the context of family community. Is asking people that you're uh, that you know at church, what, what what's my gift? <laughs> and then maybe ask them, "How do you think I could better use this gift?" Yeah. Don't be a lone ranger. Even even this. Isn't it funny that we make this a Lone Ranger hunt? I've got to discover my, my gift. gift yeah. It's silliness. It is, it is silliness, but <laughs> it's completely understandable. And we've all been there, and God has grown us all through that. So, so don't feel like you're a weirdo if you're feeling any of these things. Um, you're amongst fellow weirdos. Yeah, we're all we're all you're weirdos in, in God's house. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> funny. So, just uh, I can say this for myself, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but Dan and Nate, would you also be willing to help someone get plugged in with serving if they have questions? No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Please yeah. reach out to us. All our contact info is on the website. We are we are here for you. Call us. Isn't it, isn't that what we love to do? <laughs> it's quite why we are doing what we're yeah, doing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I I know these guys and um, that I'm talking to. You you you're, you can't see them, but I'm actually able to see them. And um, the thing I know about them and everybody on at VBC on this on the staff and the leadership is that we are we are so delighted to serve. It's not a burden. It's something we love to do. And it's, it's been both um, a challenge in this time of COVID-19. Sorry, Sean, made you think COVID-19. about that. COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, it's been a challenge and a delight for us to brainstorm how we can overcome the, the limitations of things in order to serve all of you better. And so, you know, um, obviously we can't, you can't give, and we, we're not expected to give what God has not given you to give. And so for me, for example, I don't have athletic ability. So I can't... Oh, don't, I, don't sell I, yourself I, short. I can't give athletic ability. I've seen you on the kickball when, field. When, when David was giving that basketball analogy on Sunday, I was like, oh, shoot. I not know my basketball. Actually, I looked up to Kembe Matumbo, who's seven foot two inches <laughs> tall. And I had to watch him a few times to get what his whole get the wag analogy going. Going. Yeah. That was amazing. But, uh, but anyway, that, you know, okay, what do I have? I love... Um, I love encouraging people with ideas. So I've been reading a lot, um, writing, um, trying to get other people to share their stories. So we've got like uh, the VBC Perspective um, blog article series that's we're starting up. And if, by the way, plug for that. If, you, uh, if you're interested and you, you're thinking that God may be teaching you something, renewing your mind, and you'd like to share that in a story, um, either anonymously or, or with your name attached to it, um, I would love to, to hear from you. So you can email me and I'll get you some, uh, some goodies to get you started. Fun. Very fun. Well, we've been talking for a while because there's a lot of great stuff to talk about, but thankfully there's always next week. That's right. We can resume. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. If you're out there and uh, you, you stuck around with us through this whole thing, uh, we hope that you're encouraged. We hope that this was definitely an encouraging thing and not a uh, 
discouraging, you're not good enough kind of thing, because that's definitely not what we're communicating. We understand that we are all works in progress. God is faithfully transforming all of us. But we, just like Paul to uh, people in his letters, we say this because we love you and we care for you and we want to see God's work done in your life in the way that he intends. Uh-huh. Right on. Yeah, and that 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 just goes back, and David did a great job on this, and maybe this is this could be my last little nugget and then I'll, I'll quit. But um, just just this this uh, this call for us not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to, to have a sober judgment uh, of of ourselves according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And and David just talked about that. We 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 don't want to think of ourselves as too important, but we also don't want to think of ourselves as not important at all. And so yeah, this I think even David said that he's like he's like don't walk away discouraged from this message saying oh I don't have I don't have a strong faith you know I'm not I I'm not I'm not equipped to do these things the 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 opposite is 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 the case that we have been given grace we have been given gifts we have been given a degree a measure of faith and so to to not be proud in that but also you know to 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 not um let, not be frozen or stuck, but to to move forward, and so that's that's our encouragement. Yeah, thank you, Dan. Nate, what's your last nugget before we get off? Yeah, maybe just kind of piggybacking on that idea of I'm not important. Um, if that's you, um, you know, if one of the one of the signs of of growing up in maybe what you would call a healthy family is that you don't think a lot about I'm not worthy. I'm not. Those of you who may have grown up in homes where you didn't feel that, you didn't feel cared for, just know that this God, this God who's a father to us, he equips us, he draws us in, and he, he, he delights in us. And so this whole process of discovery, what your gifting is, how to be with the church, just know that you're delighted in and that you have infinite worth because he paid the infinite price of his son for you. Amen. Enough said. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Have a good one. You too. Yeah. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.